Hey there, welcome to the Reading Project Podcast, where I help you build stronger readers one episode at a time. I'm Ashley, and your reading tutor. My experience as an online tutor, classroom teacher, and the mother of a reluctant reader has allowed me to bring a fun and effective approach to building stronger and more confident readers. I created the Reading Project after working with dozens of families in my business that needed support in helping their readers at home. I want parents and caregivers to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. I'm here to help with book suggestions, homework tips and tricks, tools and ideas for tackling reading, writing, and spelling work at home. I am on a mission to help you develop a culture of literacy and a love of stories with your children. Let's do it. All right, everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Reading Project Podcast. I am so excited because of a really special guest all the way across the pond, right? Is that what they say? (laughs) Over in Australia, I'm here tonight with Julie. Thank you so much, Julie, for getting on with us. Oh, thank you so much, Ashley. I'm so excited to be with you today. All right. Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and sort of your journey to where you are now? Yeah. So I, um, so I'm based in Australia, in Western Australia. Um, and, uh, my background is in primary education. I've also worked in special needs education in both Perth and Belfast and London. I spent five years in London. Um, and when I, when I returned, I've spent a couple of years consulting in schools in learning difficulties. And then the last eight years as a deputy principal leading whole school change in literacy improvement. And more recently, I've started my own business called Literacy Impact, which is really exciting. So I'm just really passionate about linking evidence-based practice with what makes the greatest impact in the classroom for students in literacy. But having said that, I've also always been really passionate about making a link between school and home because I just think parents are such amazing partners in the learning journey for, for students. And so I've always tried to you know, find ways to engage parents in simple ways that they can help their kids in the home. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely what we're about here at The Reading Mm. Project. And part of the reason I created this podcast and love having guests that share these like really specific tips, because often parents seek out tutoring when they need, when they have a struggling reader, but they can either because of scheduling or costs, they can't afford, you know, maybe one or two sessions a week with tutoring. But really, if you have a struggling reader or even just a developing reader at home, they need more than once a week with, you know, doing these skills, learning these skills and practicing it. So my hope is with the podcast, people can listen and think, okay, well, we're meeting with a tutor once a week and in between. Now I feel better about how I can support my reader Mm. on those days that they don't meet with the tutor. Yes, absolutely. So today we're going to talk more about what are some simple things that families can do at home in order to build background knowledge, build their oral language skills, and also their language comprehension skills. And you have a lot of really great tips for us. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, so first of all, around oral language. So I'll just preface it by saying oral language is the foundation of all literacy success. So the stronger our oral language is for students in in the beginning, um, the stronger background we can be building around that, then the stronger that base that students have for all literacy development, reading, writing, spelling. So, you know, and I often say, you know, if the student, what they can't say, they can't write. 
So the more we can be doing to build that oral language, the better. So just some simple little things that we can be doing to build that oral language is that, you know, after school pick up or, you know, when we're sitting at the table and talking about our day is to be encouraging and modelling as parents first the main events of the day. So just a simple uh, thing like at the start of the day we had morning fitness and then we did such and such. After that we did such and such and at the end of the day we did this. So what we're trying to model here is basically their day. We're like, as parents, we love to know what they do. But we're also modelling those um, really important time connectives of language. And then first, after that, and that is a really, really important skill for writing. So if we're teaching kids this on a daily basis about the sequence of, of their events, that's a really, really easy way we can build some oral language. Yeah. yeah, sequencing that then that also carries into reading and retelling and and helping children to remember what they've read. Well, what what happened first in the story, and then the characters did this, and right, and helping them put all those things in order. So it's always exactly. amazing to me how much all these parts are related, right? Absolutely, <laughs> you know? they are so related. And the other thing is that we're also teaching them summarization, which is also a very very key skill in reading. So without them knowing, they're actually having to filter through the events of the day and summarise it in simple sentences. And if they answer in just a one-word answer, they just say sport or I had sport, okay, and think about ways how you can recast that in a full sentence for them. And it doesn't have to be in a, you know, a boring way. It's just if you are aware of some of these little tips, you can be building some of those sentence structures orally. So another really great thing that we can be doing is when we are reading a really lovely story that kids love at home, we can then ask them to, we can get them to retell it, but we could get them to retell it by changing one character or one aspect of the story. Now, it sounds like such a simple thing, but kids love this. So I'll give you an example, and this is like a really old school book. It's still in publication, but it's got old school stereotypes, I will say that. But there's so much we can do with this story, The Tiger Who Came to Tea. And it's a, it's a very simple story about this uh, tiger that one day comes to visit this little girl, Sophie, and he basically eats them out of house and home. He goes into the pantry, he eats all the drinks all the water from the tap, sits and has cups of tea with mum. And at the end, he says, oh, thank you very much. Um, I'll be on my way, kind of thing. There is so much we could do with this story by, I just, for one, I have little kids of my own. The first thing I did was I changed the, the name Sophie to my daughter's name, Ava. Well, they just think that is the bee's knees because, you know, or now I'm in a story about a tiger. Right. And then what you can do, because kids love to retell and retell the same stories, the next day you could be like, why don't we read that, but I'm going to change it into a hippopotamus. So the hippopotamus that came to tea. And you can do this with the kids flicking through the pages. Obviously, this is a book that's above my children's reading level, but we need to be reading these rich texts to kids so they're building their vocabulary and they're building, building that understanding of sentence structure, etc. But the following day I could say, right, why don't you tell me the story? And then my, my child or your child could be saying, the, the elephant who came to tea. And the children are flicking through and say, one night there was a knock on the door 
and Ava opened the door and there was an elephant. So what we're doing here is we're getting kids to innovate on a text that they're familiar with and orally retell it. And so, again, here, it seems like such a simple strategy, but we are doing so much learning here. We are yep. getting, again, the children to retell in sequence in the, in the structure of the story, which is another really important key for comprehension, while making it fun. You know, you could, you could turn it into the, the, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex who came to tea, whatever. But this is a really, really lovely way to innovate on text and build oral language. Yes, absolutely. My daughter, especially, I can see my son enjoying that too, but my daughter loves like storytelling. My husband's really good at telling stories. And what, what you're doing with that text reminds me of what we do like with wordless books. So it's like you're taking a great story that has words, but you're sort of using that same idea of like making the story a little bit different based on the pictures, you know, and the existing storyline. And so we do that a lot with wordless books. And she also, when you mentioned like kids love hearing the same thing over and over again, yeah. she is this really into hearing stories. Like sometimes at night she talks in her sleep. So I'll be like, oh, you, you woke up and asked for a pile of cheese, you know, and like, I'll be yeah. like, this isn't that, that big of a deal. This isn't that funny. And she'll ask me to just say the same, just say it again, mom, just like that. Say it over again. Yeah. It's so true. They do. Like simple things we take for granted, like just putting their name in the story. Oh, my gosh. It's like you've just made their day. So, yeah, so many little ways we can innovate on a familiar text, um, and that is building so much oral language, and you're building that knowledge of a story structure. Even the fact that a child can retell in their own words the beginning, middle, and end of a story that is going to give them so much of a great grounding for writing. Right. So when they have to write their own, you know, their own narratives, their own stories, that they have this understanding of structure. Absolutely. So, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Another really simple way you can do, you know, like I don't know about everyone else's house, but I always have trinkets all over the house. There's a little bit of a dinosaur here or there's a, Elsa doll over here and there's all these little random things around the house or they get their little animals and they make a zoo around it so another really simple way we can get those we can collect those little trinkets that belong somewhere is by using them in what we can call a five finger story retail so again it would need a little bit of modeling from the parent and just a bit of thinking but for example if i have i'll take a you know i, I found this random little tiger the other day around, you know in in a cupboard um we could teach teach our kids in a really really simple way a little five finger story retail so it could be something as simple as once upon a time so on the first finger once upon a time now i will say once upon a time is a very dull way to start a story but as a starting point, especially for a four, three, four, five-year-old, mm-hmm. it's it's something they're familiar with, you mm-hmm. know. And then the next finger would be first. The next finger would be then. The next finger would be unfortunately. So this is where the problem happens. Yes. And then the end is finally. So even if we took a story like The Three Little Pigs, once upon a time there were three little pigs. The first little piggy built his house of sticks. The second little piggy built his house of, you know, bricks or whatever it was. And the third did whatever. Unfortunately, a big bad wolf came and blew the house down or something. Right. But finally, 
the piggies, you know, saved the day. They they got rid of the, the, the wolf and they lived happily ever after. So that's just like a really simple way to, again, build that oral language, get some of that creativity going, do something with these random things, these little toys you're finding in the playroom. And it's just such a powerful skill that children can use for all areas of literacy. Yes, absolutely. And I love just like the creative element of it mm. and the, you know, very low materials, right? You could just yeah. look around. I mean, I even, I'm like at my work desk now and I have this little man here on my desk. You know what I mean? Like if you have kids at home, you have little figurines and things. Um, exactly. Exactly. Like right now I've got one of these, like it's kind of like a crystal thing. It's basically a paperweight. Yeah. So, you know, if you're happy for your kids to hold it for a bit, you know, you know, they found this huge crystal diamond, you know, like right. random things that you can be using, you know, to just get kids to be creative with some of this language. It reminds me, too, yeah. of a, a car game I shared. I think it was maybe last November, like a literacy on the go episode. I can't remember which episode it was, but um, I was sharing a game that you can do in the car called Unfortunately, Fortunately, basically. It's okay. like, unfortunately, there's a tiger in the car. And then the other person <laughs> has to say, fortunately, this tiger doesn't eat little boys and girls. You know? so yeah. Like, then, unfortunately, they do like moms and dads. Fortunately, we pulled over and they jumped out. You know, like... So awesome. You can go yeah. back and forth. And if you hadn't ever introduced them to that word, unfortunately, they probably mm-hmm. they would never have used it. Mm-hmm. So that's just another example. You're actually teaching them some really, really strong vocabulary so that when they do come to, to write or and speak, yeah. they're actually going to be using some of those words. Right. And I feel like sometimes yeah. as parents we forget just how important vocabulary is in mm. in, in life and in reading comprehension and re- being able to really – write concisely and effectively you know to get your point across in your writing and when you're speaking and just sometimes we just forget and we don't think about the vocabulary we're using or noticing what our kids are saying but I have really found with my children through telling stories and my son listens to a lot of audiobooks that I've noticed it more just when they when they pick up these new words and my daughter is six and she's been using the word invested a lot I'm really invested in this (laughs) or I regret saying that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. All right. And then I'm like, wow, those are some really good words for a six-year-old. Absolutely. And it's so, and that's another point, you know, vocabulary has been proven to be one of the biggest factors in reading comprehension mm-hmm. because, you know, children might be really good at lifting the words off the page and decoding, but if they don't understand the words that they're listening to or they're reading, then they won't understand it. And, you know, comprehending text is what reading is all about. You know, there's, if you can't understand it, then actually, really, you're not reading. Right. So that's another point. You know, when we are reading with our, our kids, you know, stop. If, you, if it's a word that you think, you know, for example, invested, you go, if you, if you know it, you're pretty much sure that they're not going to know it. You just say, so invested means we're really into something. We're really, uh, I can't even think of the word, the, the meaning of it now, but just give them a quick explanation and move on. Right. At the end, you might come back and go, you know that word we were talking about? I'm going to put it in a sentence for you, just so that they give you an example. You might say, the opposite to this word is whatever, so that you're giving kids a really good, robust understanding of what these words mean. I think I've read some research about 
vocabulary, a kid needs to hear a word about 15 times Mm. before they have any chance of it being well understood. So, you know, if, if we can find some of those words in, in the books we read to them that we go, okay, that's going to be a little bit over their head, we can use that as a talking point and explain it. Because I know, you know, when I'm working with teachers, the recommendation is that kids need to be learning 10 new vocabulary words per week at a minimum mm-hmm. to get to the point in around year three and year four where they're going to have that really good vocabulary base for reading comprehension when the, you know, when the curriculum gets tougher. Uh-huh. So the more, so that's just such an amazing way that parents can be contributing to that, that literacy progress yeah, with vocabulary. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. I know we've covered quite a lot already talking just about storytelling and I love the mm. five finger story retell. Mm. If you had to share one more tip with us today, what what would that be? So one more tip, I would like to talk about perhaps background knowledge. Now, this is something that also is heavily weighted in, in research about how we can help kids. So background knowledge is one of the biggest needs in reading comprehension, and this is something parents can do so well. So what we need to be doing is when we are, you know, this can be done through documentaries, this can be done when if we go to a museum. When we're building that knowledge base for kids, This is going to help them when they come to a text that they have an understanding of what it's about. So can if I can quickly read this little paragraph, actually, if it's all right, about just to uh, just to explain why background knowledge is so important. The procedure is actually quite simple. First, you arrange things into different groups. Of course, one pile might be sufficient, depending on how much there is to do. If you have to go somewhere else due to lack of facilities, That is the next step. Otherwise, you are pretty well set. It is important not to overdo things. That is, it is better to do too few things at once than too many. In the short, in the short run, this may not seem important, but complications can easily arise. A mistake can be expensive as well. At first, the whole procedure will seem complicated. Soon, however, it will soon just another facet of life. So when I read that, I, I had no idea what it was about. Do you, Ashley, I know some people can pick it straight away. Have you got uh, any idea? I was trying to think. At first, I thought you were talking about maybe like Christmas shopping and like, yeah. and then I thought, well, maybe they're talking about cooking and like yeah. grocery shopping. That that was as far as I got. I was really thinking yeah. hard too. Me too. Me too. I couldn't pick it. It's actually about doing the washing. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> So, and it goes on, but it was just a really classic example of how a child must feel if they're reading something that they have no background knowledge about. So the more we can be using a trip to the zoo or a trip to a museum or watching a documentary on, you know, how food is made or whatever it might be, um, there's some really wonderful books called I Wonder Why. I wonder why the sun rises. I wonder why volcanoes erupt. Those sorts of things. They're just really great knowledge building books. And when children have a really great background knowledge of all these different things, world knowledge or topic knowledge, it's just something simple we can do in the home every day. And that's contributing to their reading comprehension down the track. So that's probably one little tip that I think a lot of parents probably don't know about that it's just so crucial and it's just so, such a simple thing we could be keeping in mind. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if you have a an auditory learner like my son, he's always listening to podcasts. And there, yeah. there are a lot of really great podcasts that can build background knowledge about, you know, he listens to, I want to say it's called like Greeking Out, like, oh. like about like the Greeks and Roman and like the gods and all that. And so nice. I, I have never like explicitly taught my son anything about Greek gods, but he has a wealth of background knowledge about it from that. That's podcast. unbelievable. Yeah. You'll have to send me the link of that podcast because I think my kids would like that one too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a really fun one. And that's another really great way to build background knowledge. We mentioned like museums and trips and yeah. Considering the last two years of our lives, we know that those things are not always possible, (laughs) but there's a lot of really great virtual options as well. A lot of museums, I feel like, really stepped up over the pandemic and offered like virtual tours of exhibits or virtual field trips. So that a lot of that stuff is still out there living on the Internet. So you can access it. And if you're doing just in your day to day life, if you just sort of pause and think about, okay, what am I going to do today that maybe my child doesn't know about yet you know like you know and sort of talking about the things you're doing you know we were talking about um taxes because it's going to be tax time you know so and we're my husband and I are both entrepreneurs so our kids and we homeschool so our kids are around our business a lot and so you know just talking about well this amount of taxes is for this and you know because I think one of the kids I think it was my son said when I if I grow up I'm going to have no taxes and I was like well actually here's what taxes are for (laughs) I can tell you but yeah (laughs) yes so I agree that's a really simple way for parents to just work on building that background knowledge. And it's so interesting when I do my reading assessments with like a new client that's coming in for tutoring and, you know, I try to do like a fiction and a nonfiction piece and just seeing a child who maybe doesn't have any background knowledge on the nonfiction piece, just like Mm -hmm. really struggling with reading it. But a similar level piece that's fiction, that they have an idea about that story or they can connect it to a similar story, they can read it so much easier. It is so true. It's really crucial. It's such a simple thing we can be doing all the time. Yes, absolutely. All right. Fantastic. Well, this has been amazing. You have given us some really great tips that I think... I love that are not, you know, not super complicated. Parents mm. can definitely with, with practice, right? You can learn mm. how to do these things. Um, mm. don't, don't need a lot of supplies and it, they can go a long way in helping your child be successful in reading, writing and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope that were helpful. Yes. And I always like to wrap up my podcast episodes by talking about books. So I ask uh, all my guests to either share, you know, what is your favorite childhood book or a book that you love using with students, a book that stands out to you? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read, I'm going to talk about one that's quite tattered and torn because it's just so loved in his home. And it's called The Way Back Home by Oliver Jeffers. And he's got quite a few stories. And my little boy, oh my gosh. He absolutely loves this. He's just turned six. And it's just, it's really about a little boy who's just got this wild imagination. And he goes into the cupboard to find his rocket ship because he used it last Tuesday, as you do. And he goes on this adventure and he goes to the moon. And he sees a Martian and they become friends and they realize they won, you know, the rocket conks out. And the uh, Martian spaceship runs out of petrol. So he then comes back to Earth to get some supplies, goes back to the Martian, 
and they fix their their ships and they go on their merry way. But it's just such a beautiful story of imagination, which I think, again, it's a really lovely one you could innovate on. So you could go, I went to the cupboard and I pulled out my helicopter or I pulled out my cruise ship and I cruised to, you know, whatever. And it's just it's just a really beautiful story of imagination and friendship. So that's mine. I I imagined as you were telling about it that you probably used your son's name in the story. I did. (laughs) I did. Yes. So yeah, really lovely one. Yeah. There's so many. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That every single, pretty much every single guest that I have on when I ask this question, they say, well, there's so many. It's such a long list. I'm like, that's like the sure sign of a, 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 you know, reading teacher or a, an avid book lover. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, if people want to learn more about you and the work they're doing, where can they find you on online? Yeah. So, so my website's literacyimpact.com.au and I have a monthly subscriber list. It's predominantly for parents. Um, I mean, for teachers, but there's also lots of snippets in there that parents might find valuable. And also I'm on Facebook as Literacy Impact Educational Services and LinkedIn as Julie underscore Scully. So, yeah, love you to stay connected. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed listening to Julie as much as I did. I thought she shared some really great tips for ways that parents can just really build a strong base in the oral language skills and oral language comprehension, which then is going to transfer over into reading comprehension and reading language skills. Some of my favorite things that she talked about were about those time connector kind of words, right? So when you talk with your kids about their day in the morning, we started out with breakfast and you went off to school and then I went off to work. And what happened next? Well, during school, you did these things and helping them put things in an order, the sequential order, what happened first and next. And, you know, even just like the sentence structure of oral language, if your child responds with a one word answer, you take that word and put it into a complete sentence for them. And you are orally showing them how to make this sentence, right? I know students can get this through listening to you speak as well as listening to audiobooks. Then she chatted about taking any loved story that you have at home and, you know, changing it up, being creative, changing um, one of the characters in the book. So instead of the tiger who came for tea, it's elephant who came for tea or the alien who came for tea. I think that's something that families, you know, could definitely incorporate into your bedtime routine, right? When you're reading. And I feel like that would be really fun because sometimes I get sick of reading the same book over and over. So I've been known to change up the words just to make it funny and more fun for, for me as a reader. I loved that our whole conversation about background knowledge and how we can build background knowledge through uh, just visiting new places, talking about the things we see or do in our life And also, I shared the podcast, Greeking Out, just happens to be one of many podcasts that my son has listened to over the last couple years to really, really build his background knowledge. And how building background knowledge helps build a strong foundation for, you know, a strong vocabulary, which then that having a strong vocabulary leads to greater success when you're in your comprehension, in your reading comprehension. So all these things really work together. And I think as a parent, it's easy to maybe you just don't 
didn't even realize these things were helpful, you didn't know about them, or you thought it would be too complicated or difficult. But I hope that you'll see through listening to tonight, today's episode of the Reading Project podcast, as well as other episodes, that it doesn't have to be super complicated, that you are totally capable of supporting your child as a reader, writer, as a learner, and you can support them at home. All right. I would love to know if you listened to today's episode, go ahead and take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Tag me at your reading tutor and let me know what, what were your takeaways from today's episode? As always, it's super helpful when you leave us a five-star review over on iTunes that helps push the reading project podcast out to more families and more caregivers and educators who want to hear your story, right? And hear the different stories of all of these amazing educators that we've had on. The Reading Project podcast has had over 5,000 downloads at this point, which is just amazing, so exciting, and I'm ready to take on this year and the next 5,000 downloads. All right, until next time, keep reading. Thanks so much for listening. And if you know anyone who might be interested in joining us and listening in on my podcast, I would love for you to share it. And I'd also love to connect with you on social. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. All my links are in the show notes. Make sure you head over to my website at www.yourreadingtutor.com to sign up for my newsletter so you'll be notified when new episodes come out and any new promotions or services that I'm offering. You can also find my free signature three-step reading reward system on my website. You'll be able to download it and just get started right away helping your struggling reader to reach their potential. Keep reading. See you next time.